Not feeling good. Um, <laughs> so I'm um, just want you to be aware if anyone's uncomfortable. I just am congested and just don't feel that great. Um, so I just letting you guys know I'm not going to join a table afterwards, so I'm not up close on anybody. So, okay, let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for um, your grace, Lord, and your mercy. We thank you for your word, Lord, that changes us. Lord, that you're working on us, Lord. Um, in spite of who we are, Lord, you want to change us and make us better, Lord. Help us to trust you. Help us to be women who invite you in and allow you to make those changes, Lord. Help us to not be filled with fear. Help us to let go of things that we're holding on to, Lord. And as you're walking us through this book of James, Lord, there are so many really good things, Lord, that you're teaching us. Um, just continue to help us, Lord, to surrender all to you, that we might walk away when the study's done, Lord, a changed person, Lord, um, because of your word, Lord, because you're a faithful God who doesn't leave us as we come, Lord, as babies, Lord, but um, as women who are more loving because of you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Okay. Okay, so we're in chapter one, and we're going to finish up the very end portion of chapter one. And chapter one, as we remember, is the mature person is patient in trials. There is hot water if anybody wants tea, since it's finally chilly out. <laughs> there are three things we're going to be looking at tonight, putting aside all filthiness, Two, prove yourself a doer of the word. And three, bridle your tongue. All right, so looks, let's look at, sorry. Yes. <laughs> One, putting aside all filthiness. Two, prove yourself a doer of the word. And three, bridle your tongue. All right, now I'm hot. All right, let's look at. I don't have a fever, just so you guys know, okay? All right, let's read verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religious is useless." Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Life would be so much easier if we would be slow to speak, swift to hear, and slow to wrath. We just could remember those through three things as we go throughout life. I think we would not um, encounter many trials. Can you imagine um, James is living with Jesus, and Jesus' brother, um, th that must have been a little bit hard to have like this perfect person in your house doing everything perfect. Um, but what a beautiful example before him to see. Um, and he, and he wants us to be just like him. 
So I could see James teaching the book, being so excited about these 50 imperatives that we're gobbling up and just um, really enjoying and, um, and growing in. So we need to be like him. James grew up amazed at his kindness, his patience, amazed at his tender care toward others. He was amazed at how he stood very calmly against evil. And James is teaching us what Jesus will be like. And here it is. Do this. He says, do this. Do this. Remember, God gave us two ears and one mouth. So we should be listening more than we're speaking, which is hard for women. Verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So let every man be swift to hear. Deuteronomy 12, 28 says, Be careful to listen to all these words which I command you, so that it may be well with you and your sons after you forever, for you will be doing what is good and right in the sight of the Lord. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Just as the servant is quick to hear his master's voice, and a mother is quick to hear her baby's cry, are we quick to hear our father's voice? Because it's a still, small voice. So we're to be slow to, slow to speak. Proverbs 18, 13 says, He who gives an answer before he hears, it is a folly and a shame to him. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had heard part of it and then gave an answer, and then you were like, oh, my gosh, like your foot just goes in your mouth. Like I should have waited to hear the whole thing. Proverbs ten nineteen says, In the multitude of words, sin, words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Too many, time we argue, too many times we argue with God's word, if not audibly, at least with our hearts and minds. Remember I always say, women, I feel like we have trouble here um, because we, we think nobody can see what's going on, but the Lord does. Like our minds are a true battleground, and we can argue. I love arguing in the car. People think I'm probably talking on my phone thing, but I'm just talking out loud. <laughs> Slow to wrath, Proverbs 16.32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Proverbs 14.29, He who is slow to anger has a great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Having strength over tempers is honored above physical strength. The mighty man subdues his might and exercises self-control. This is an unbelievable statement in that time because... The rulership was definitely physical strength. Like that was, you know, to have military might was, a, was to, something to be greatly admired. So he's saying, no, if you can subdue your temple, temp, temper, it's better than having physical strength if you have control over it. All right, so let's look at put aside all filthiness. It's really simple. Just do it, right? Just get rid of it. The music, the movies... I don't know if anybody has DVDs anymore, the magazines, the artwork, whatever it is that is filthy that we're allowing into our homes, just get rid of it. And maybe if you're like, hmm, I'm not really sure, you know what? Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll be faithful to show you what that is. It's really, really hard with movies lately. I feel like PG-13, all of them, I just feel like they're all like intermixed and there's no like when my kids were younger it was real easy to say okay this is pg we're good but nowadays forget it it's like you have to really look up go on that website Uh, my son-in-law always does it for me but you go to a website and they tell you exactly what's in the movie so just ask the holy spirit he'll be faithful to show you what belongs in the house of the lord and what doesn't here's a quote evil is made possible by the sanction we give it withdraw your sanction 
withdraw it. And then it has, it has no chance. Don't let it in your house. Romans 13, 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. As we're walking through this, we're going to be putting off the old and putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter 2, 1, 3 says, Therefore, lay aside all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word, so that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tested the Lord is gracious. You were saved by grace, but as, but as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we're soldiers, and soldiers need to be trained. We need, we need to grow, and we need to be trained. So I have this poem that my... Um, um, mom wrote um, in a very uh, dark time in her life, and I want to share it. It's called The House. Lord, my house has, been, has seen much heartache. I get hurt when others sin, and I'm left with many house guests who feel the need to just move in. Bitterness has brought her pillow. In the guest room, there she lies. Every morning I wake up to bitter thoughts and her evil eyes. Vengeance moved in and is constant. I don't think she ever sleeps. She's persistent in her game plan. You should see the list she keeps. Hatred is the worst of house guests. She is mean and base and vile. Lord, I fear she'll never move out. She's been here quite a while. Self-pity is the most annoying, and she moved in yesterday. She's so sneaky, you can't trust her. And I fear she baits her prey. Unwelcome house guests fill the rooms and dominate the atmosphere. I'm so tired of their presence. Could forgiveness please move in here? It's a time when she was really struggling. She had been hurt by another um, Christian woman, and she was really struggling with it. And the Lord gave her poem after poem, so it was really, I just think it's so good. It's so true how we can allow those things to move in and let them just make their self at home in our hearts and in our homes. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 21. Make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's working in us a thing we never thought possible. We never thought we could become as we study his word. He's, he's doing something that we can't, we can't even explain. There's no words to describe what he's doing in us. So I ask you, ladies, what is God working in you right now? You don't need to tell me or tell your sisters at your table. But just think, what is God working in you right now? He's equipping us, working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight. Is it forgiveness? Is it surrender? Is it kindness? Is it trusting him? So he says, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Father, make them holy with your truth. Your word is truth. Our souls are saved from going to hell, but he wants to do much more than that. And that is to save us from ourselves. Because who gets in the way? We do. We get in the way. <laughs> 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshy, fleshly lusts which war against the soul. This can be a struggle when we think God hasn't given us enough. When we're lusting after whatever that might be, fill in the blank, it then begins to war against our soul. 
I think that's so true when we, you know, in the other study where we count and we know, like when you really do that right, you count, you know who your God is, and you count, he does love you. you you're adding it up cor- correctly. We're not looking at it as the world is showing us. Because I think if we look at the world or we hear, I mean, it's constantly, whether at your job or um, among your friends or your family who are unbelievers, it's constantly being fed at you. No, you need this to be happy. You need this to be happy. This is going to make you happy. And we start to doubt, okay, I don't think he loves me enough because he didn't give me that. You know, we start to, like, have that argument with God over that, and we start to uh, begin to war against our own soul. We're, like, unsettled in there. Here's a quote. Our soul is like an inner stream of water which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other element of our life. So when that stream is as it should be, we are constantly refreshed and exuberant in all we do because our soul is deeply rooted in the vastness of God and his kingdom. It's so true. When, you know, when I've had my quiet time and I've sat with the Lord, my day is so different than if I don't sit with him and make that time. Um, Habakkuk 2.4, his soul is not right within him. i got to take a drink. <clears throat> his soul is not right within him. <clears throat> Have you ever felt like that? Like something is just not right. And I'm like, I'm okay. I'm healthy. Um, I have a, a beautiful home. I have a warm bed. I have, you know, clothes in my closet, food in my fridge. Why am I in such a funk? What is going on? And I often think we try and, like, satisfy it with something, whatever that might be, going shopping or eating something or um, hanging out with girlfriends, and we're still coming up empty, and it's because the Lord's wanting to do something in us. He's wanting you to come, sit at his feet, slow down, you know, draw near to him because he's wanting to do something in you. Usually he speaks to me during my devotion time where it's nice and quiet and I'm the only one that can hear. And I'm like, okay, Lord, help me to stop telling myself that I need that and messing my soul all up. You know, that until I get that, I won't be happy because I, you know, my husband always says, have you ever been to a funeral where they're pulling everything behind them? No. Nothing, nothing goes with us, right? But yet we're so consumed with the stuff here. First Peter 1.22 says, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. And I'm not saying stuff is wrong. I'm just saying where you put that stuff at. Like, always keep God forefront. And if he hasn't given that thing that you think you're, you should have, there's a reason. And you got to trust him for that reason. And we not, I may not know it. You may not know it on this side, or you might know it next week or a few years from now, or when we're standing before him, that's when we might find out. When we walk in obedience with our father, we receive the sweetest intimacy we have ever could have asked for. And it gives us great self-worth. When I put my head to the pillow that night, at night, and I've honored my father throughout my day with my choices, I, I have a great self-worth. Like, I just feel like, okay, Lord, I, I did it today. Thank you. Grace brings me into God's presence, but obedience keeps me there. So it's grace that brings us to his presence. What's going to keep you there? Obedience. 
Psalm 37.1 says the law of her God is in her heart. None of her steps shall slide. That's the kind of woman I want to be and I want all of you to be. I want his words in my heart and for them to be louder than my own stupid words in my head. I think that's why it's good to memorize scripture. Because then when you're struggling, you can start, you know, I know that's what I do at night in bed. Just start repeating the scripture and then all those crazy little thoughts go away. Life can be really hard. Hiding in his word, it will give you hope. No matter what comes, you fill in the blank. Hope comes from God. When we're struggling, dive in to just that place, wherever that little place is. Maybe it's a chair, maybe it's a couch, maybe it's a porch, wherever it might be, with your Bible and your journal, and just sit with him, and he'll be faithful. Cry out to him and ask. He'll be faithful to meet you right there, and he'll give you, the, he'll give you hope because it only comes from him. So we're going to put aside all filthiness and receive the word. Okay, so in James 22... But doers, but be doers of the word and not hearers of only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is a like man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does." This is why it's so important that we have our devotions daily. We need, to be, we need to get fed every day. We can't just depend on once a week at church or Wednesday night and Sunday morning. We need to be walking with him. It's a relationship, right? You can't go all week without not talking to him. You wouldn't go all week without talking to your best friend or your um, husband or your mom, right? So we can't do that to our Lord. I studied, studied the Bible because... I'm a mess, and I would destroy my life if I stopped reading the truth and applying it to my life. I don't obey God because he's going to get me, like a, you know, a mean daddy. I obey God because he is wise and knows what's best for my life, even if I don't agree and I don't see it. Like leaving York, I did not agree with him that that was the best decision for us to leave York. That was hard, but I chose to trust him. Instead, Hebrews 2, 1, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, least, list, list, hmm, least we drift away. He encourages us to pay attention to the words so that we don't drift away. Matthew seven twenty four through 27 says that if we hear the word and we act upon it, then our house will be built on a rock. I want my house to be built on a rock, right? And I'm sure you guys do too. So we can't just hear it. We have to act upon it. Make sure we're building our house on a rock. Simple things like, has the Lord ever like whispered something to you? Like, um, I don't know, your husband's had, he's just had a bad day. He's just discouraged or he's just struggling about something, things in work. And maybe you don't really need to know all the details. I often say, I, I don't, if my shoulders aren't meant to carry it, I don't want it. Because it's one more thing to be like tripping my mind out, you know, and stressing about. So, but I can tell when my husband's had a struggle day. And maybe the Lord wants you to just go over and rub their shoulders. Just gently give love or make a really good dinner, their favorite meal. Or um, I, my best friend's um, son committed suicide um, four years ago, and I have never walked through that. 
and could not pretend to know what to say to her, to minister to her. Um, and I have just done what I feel like the Lord has told me to do is just love her and do whatever she needs. But I have purposely sent her a card every other month. And she is always so thankful for that card. It's like the Lord just uses it right in that timing. So if the Lord is whispering something in your ear, do it. Like if he says, hey, yeah, your neighbor's being super nasty. She's a nasty girl. Make her cookies. Make her really good cookies. <laughs> That's shining love, showing her love. You don't know. Like we often think we know what's going on, but we don't really know what's going on in that neighbor's life. Maybe she's being hit by her husband. Maybe he's cheating on her. Who, who knows? We have no idea. <clears throat> so listen hard to that still small voice and just do it. The world will be a sweeter place if we were just obedient by on loving on each other instead of, you know, keeping our walls up. Obedience keeps us in the light of God's presence. Disobedience sends us into the darkness to learn. Obedience keeps us in the light of God's presence. Disobedience sends us into the darkness to learn. Obedience brings sweet intimacy with God. When we're the most difficult circumstances and we obey God right in those difficult circumstances, it's the sweetest and purest love I think our Father can have from us when we're trusting him like we never have before. I remember um, going, come, moving here and the girls going to public school. It was, it was so new to us to just let them get on a bike and just go. Like, that was so foreign for me. Um, and they were 6th grade, 8th grade, and 10th grade. And um, so it was hard. And I remember one time um, there was a Halloween party, and we let our one of our daughters go to it, and I just encouraged her. And I didn't realize um, that parents will buy alcohol for their kids who are young. I was just clueless. I just thought, okay, this is, you know, it's Ocean City. It's, it's the greatest resort. It's family. There's not even a bar in Ocean City. And I remember um, talking to her, you know, if, if you're uncomfortable, if anything's wrong, and you know what would be wrong, what mommy and daddy wouldn't be happy with, you call us. And I tell you, that phone call, mom, come get me. And I went and got her. And she said, Mom, they're all drinking. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I just called you. And I said, to me, I just started crying because I was like, that showed me more that you loved mom and dad more than saying it a thousand times. You know, just your actions. So I think for our Father in heaven, when we obey him in the midst of a circumstance that is really difficult, that's the purest love we could give him. Because he knows how hard it is. There's many things that the world offers us to fill up on, but they will not satisfy. They will just destroy. We are not what we hear. We are what we do. So put away all filthiness, prove yourself doers of the word, and not only hearers, and lastly, bridle your tongue. Ugh. All right, James 1, 26 through 27. Praise God, I'm not coughing. 
If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceive his own heart, this one's religious is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Here's a quote from J. Oswald Chambers. Although we may, I love this, I love it, I should have it framed in my house. Although we may not be what we could have been, I've sat with many friends and family members who say, I am like this because of the parents I had. And I've even said, if I only would have had parents, like, like my girlfriend, those parents were awesome. Like, wow, you know. But that's not true with Jesus. And I am a living example of that. Praise the Lord. It's only by the grace of God that I am who I am, where I'm at, and married and with three children and not messed up like I could have been. Although we may not, ha- may not be what we could have been, we need no longer to remain what we are. So if you think you're not a good wife, start now. Start tomorrow. If you think you're not a good mother, start now. If you think you're not a good friend, start now. A good daughter, whatever, you fill in the blank, whatever it might be, start now. Receive the word implanted that God can bless your life. Psalm 34, 13 says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Psalm 39, 1, set a guard, O Lord, over my house, mouth. (laughs) I'll say that again. I have to tell you, I did something silly. My niece's birthday was Saturday, and you know I'm 50. Um, And my girls tell me I often repeat stories. I don't really believe them. (laughs) But my niece was opening up the envelope, and the front of the envelope said, Carly. And then she opened, and I didn't even hear her say it. And my daughter, Carly, is looking at me. She's like, Mom, did you recycle an envelope? And I'm like, what? She goes, you said Carly. You put Carly on there. And it was my brother's house. So I'm just like, and she opened the card and it said to her niece. So I got the card right. So I said, guys, I'm so sorry. Let me just look at this envelope. And I looked at it and sure enough, I wrote Carly on it. But you know what happened? Carly called me to bring her gift right at the time when I was filling out that envelope. And I was speaking to Carly on speakerphone while I was writing out the card. Now, I wrote Love, Aunt Trisha and Uncle Tony, but on the envelope, I wrote Carly because I was speaking to her. But isn't it the craziest things you do? Oh, my gosh. I hope my kids just laugh at me. I said to my grandma um, when I went and saw her on Friday, sometimes we just sit and talk. I just want to – I have her – I have plenty of her voices on here talking and her when she used to call me on here still saved and – her videos of singing songs that I remember her singing as a little girl. But sometimes I just want to know what she's doing. She just sits there in a diaper. She's 91. And I, I think, Lord, what kind of life is she having? Like, she knows you. Just take her home. Like, my heart just is sad for her. Like, because I know what a life she had before all of this happened. And so I said to her, and it blew my mind. I said, Mom, I call her Mom. I said, Mom. If you could be any age, what age would you be? And she said, 
Oh, I'd be the age I am now. And I was, I was like, what? Why? Well, I've lived my life. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at right now. I'm like, but you don't have any teeth. <laughs> wouldn't you, wouldn't you want your teeth back to like chew food? Or, or, or would you, would you, do you miss driving? And she was a shopper, but she was a goodwill shopper. And I, and trust me, when she was at the nursing home, I used to be like, oh Lord, we're going to go to the, we're going to go to chicken. She used to call Chick-fil-A chicken little. And we're going to the Goodwill. And I'm like, give me patience for Goodwill because she loves to shop in there. And we would be in there for hours over just a couple of items. And I'm like, just give them to me and I'll buy them. You know, what's it going to be like? You know, but she, to her, it was, you did not. Like, I tried one time. Let me go. Let's go to Boscoff's and I'll get you a brand new outfit for your birthday. (gasps) Why would I do that? Spend all that money. Well, they had beautiful stuff at the Goodwill. Like, yeah, you're right. But it blew my mind. It blew my mind that she's content with being 90. I mean, she's sitting in a diaper. She's content. And I thought, oh, Lord, how come us who are so much younger cannot learn that? That, Like, what, what is wrong? Like, help us, Lord. <laughs> so keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I love what it says. If they don't bridle their tongue, they deceive themselves. We can deceive ourselves into thinking we need that or we need this to be happy. And when we really, really, we don't. We're thinking wrong and our self-talk is deceiving our heart. I can be perfectly good and then I can talk myself out of not being perfectly good. And have a completely different attitude. And I'm like, Lord, help me. Help me stop talking to myself. This is why it's so important, ladies, to be in the word every day. Because we can think these thoughts and deceive our own hearts. We can think, oh, we're fine. Have you ever done that? People say, how are you doing? Fine. And you know you're not fine. And I get it. You can't just vomit all of that on just anybody. You have your people that you can share your deep heart with. And I always say a really, really, really good friend, a true friend, is someone that you can be completely yourself with, and she will not judge you. She will take the good and pray for you, and the bad, she will blow away. That's a true friend. We need Jesus. We need help because we're not fine. On my very best day, I don't measure up, and I need a ton of grace. Jeremiah 49, 16, and I'm, I wrote the wrong one down. Or I think I wrote the NSA version, and I, I wanted to read ours better. Nope, that's not the right one. Oh, yes, it is. 49, 16. Your fierceness has deceived you, the pride of your heart. Oh, you who dwell in the clefts of the rock, who hold the height of the hill, though you make your nest as high as the eagle, I will bring you down from there, says the Lord. So we can't hide from him. When, I'm, when it's not a good day, sometimes I'll text my husband and I'll say, let's run away. Or I'll run, I'm running away. And he always says, I'm going to come find you. So your fierceness has deceived you. The arrogance of your heart has deceived you. Obe- Obadiah, oh gosh, help me. Thank you. One three, the arrogance of your heart has deceived you. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupt, corrupts good morals. 
Yes, that is true. I don't know if you work with a bunch of non-Christians, but that, it can be very exhausting. It's like the is as common as the F word. Like, I'm like, this is so unprofessional. We're in the medical field. You guys use this like it's the. It's just, it's such a different, like, um, when I was younger, no one would have said that in a, I mean, you just had more, you were just more professional, but it's just not, it's just not the same anymore. It's just changing. Whatever it is, stop doing that. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh. James 1, verse 16 and 17. Do you remember that? Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So before my feet hit the floor, I'm thanking him. I'm thanking him for a warm bed, for a house with heat. I'm thanking him for food in my fridge. I'm thanking him for another day. I think often we just forget to thank him. That those are good gifts. Whatever those good gifts are, we got to thank them. Before your feet hit the floor, thank them. So these are the imperatives we can be working on. Put away all filthiness. Prove yourself doer of the word and bridle your tongue. And lastly, verse 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. That's hard. Keep myself unspotted from the world. If you think about it, what we watch, what you're reading, can stain you. We often, we might think, oh, I'm mature enough, I can handle this. But what happens later on in the night or the dreams you might have or how it might trip you up later on, it can affect us. We're staining our soul. I've never looked at it that way as what I'm looking at, what I'm reading, what I'm listening to. Your soul actually gets stained. So be careful what you're reading and looking at. Ladies, we think, oh, it doesn't bother me but it's affecting our soul and it will come out later, if not immediately. So the lessons we learned from chapter one is testing the faith produces endurance. Lesson two is blessed is the one who perseveres under trials. She's steadfast and immovable. And lesson three, prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Um, your faithfulness in each one of our lives, Lord, for bringing us here tonight. I thank you that I made it through the whole time not coughing. I thank you for your grace, Lord, when we feel like we can't do it, that you um, hold us up, Lord, and you are our strength, God. And I don't know what um, each woman here is facing right now, Lord, but you do. Lord, help us to trust you, Lord. Help us to be women who don't crumble, who don't um, satisfy um, the struggle of what we're walking through with things of this world, Lord, that we think are satisfying, but we come up empty, and then we just want more of it, and it just becomes a pattern that's unhealthy, Lord. 
Help us to be filled with your love, Lord. Your love, Lord, that we barely can understand, Lord. Help us to be loving toward one another, to encourage one another. And we just thank you. We thank you for this book of James. We thank you for the 50 imperatives. We thank you that we're a mess and you're making us better, Lord. We thank you that you give us a clean slate. We thank you that um, if we didn't do it right today, Lord, that we've got tomorrow to do it better. Whatever that might be, Lord, that you want us to be better at, God. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to each one of us tonight in that. In your precious name, amen.